thank you for joining me again today. By now you know that I really enjoy studying God's Word, especially when I can find a subject that goes from Genesis to Revelation. And our study on light versus darkness does exactly that. Matter of fact, I've had a chance to talk to several of you as you've been watching the first three of our episodes, and now we come to the fourth one. And what an important subject, because we're, we're watching the, the power and the glory of God versus the, I'm going to say, the, the darkness and the doom of Satan. And that's, that's really the, the underlying theme of the Bible, to see how God is going to triumph. And so join us today as we again look at this overall study of God's Word, light versus darkness. Good morning, and uh, welcome to part two. The danger with uh, being at part two is some people didn't come for part one. And, uh, and you know I don't have time to review. And uh, the good thing is that because we started at an unusual time, we had a baptism, you won't know how long I speak. And so we'll finish part two no matter what. Um, but we've been looking at the, the subject really of, of light versus darkness. Remember, we, we contrasted the, the fact that it wasn't day versus night, but it was light versus darkness because there's something in it that has a, a spiritual meaning. It's, it's way bigger than day versus night, but it's light versus darkness. And I want to read again uh, the, the verse that I read last week, and this is Luke chapter 23, and verse 34, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And, and really, the, the idea was this, that, that God, trying to call a special attention to the crucifixion of Jesus, made it so that right in the middle of his seven statements, he, he brought about an unusual darkness. And I, I think that darkness was so unique that we only find it maybe two or three times in all the Bible. And so I want you to think about this because, because, see, that was at noon. So from noon until three, during that period of time, there was a darkness. And the Bible indicates that the darkness, it, well, we, here's what we know. It could not have been an ellipse because an ellipse only lasts for several minutes. But it had to be something that was, that was extended for three hours. And so I think what God was doing was bringing special attention to the fact that Jesus was on the cross paying the penalty of sin. Next, uh, we, we looked at the fact that probably the last time that kind of darkness was on the earth was in Genesis 1. When the Spirit of God moved on the earth, before creation ever started, there was a unique darkness. Because why? It, it showed the earth with, without the presence of God. And then we see the creation factor that, that came in. And so the idea that there was darkness over all the earth. And remember, even the people at the cross, they reacted in a very unusual way. Some of them were convicted. Three hours of, of to not, not just night, because at night there are lights. But three hours of total darkness, God calling special attention to, to what was going to take place there. And it was also unique because, you see, during that, that particular time, I'm, I'm buzzing, but I'm not moving. Oh, I'm, I'm moving now, okay. Uh, is the, the idea that the penalty of sin was going to be paid in full. Here's what Galatians says. Galatians 3.13 says this. For Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, be made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree. And so here's the Son of God, who has no sin of his own, and, and he would come, and he was going to bear the sin of all the world. 
And it really began in a, a quite unique way because remember after we see the, the fall of Adam and Eve, well, every curse that came on the earth and was pronounced in the Bible, uh, written in Genesis chapter 3, we see that some aspect of that was with Christ. We'll, we'll look at that in just a moment. But, but that's why Christ would go to the cross. Now, I think the light versus darkness is, are the forces of God versus the forces of Satan. Do you understand that there's a battle going on? And it's far greater than just the, the battle that we struggle with day to day. Each of us have a, a battle, don't we? Some of it's physical. Some of it might be school or it might be a, a whole variety of things. But, but there's, there's no doubt that there's a, a battle or a struggle going on. And I think from the, from the time that Satan was kicked out of heaven, there's been a battle between the devil and God. And we know it pre-existed because, remember, that's why he got kicked out of heaven. He tried to exalt himself above God or equal to God. And so on the cross, Jesus took the, the, the penalty of Adam and Eve's sin, but my sin and your sin. And so I want to look at it in this way. Notice this verse in Romans chapter 5. And by the way, uh, I think I can find it in at least... Half of the New Testament books has something related to this dominion struggle between God and Satan. And here's what it reminds me of. Today, you're either under the influence of God or you're under the influence of the devil. You might say, well, I don't even believe in the devil. That doesn't matter. The devil can have a hold of people that don't even believe in him. You know, uh, do you believe in nuclear power? Do you believe in electrical power? You might say, well, I don't see electrical. Well, you see the results of it. And so here's the devil, and you may not even believe in him, and you may not believe in God, but let me tell you, there's a battle going on over your soul between God and the devil. And that's been with every human being from, from Genesis all the way until now. So Romans chapter 5, notice there, it talks about the fact that really, for by one man's offense or sin, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to con condemnation, even so, by righteousness, the one free gift came unto all men, unto justification. The last phrase, notice that particularly. For as by one man's obedience, many were made sinners. And by, sorry, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many were made righteous. It's a, it was a struggle. And, and what we tried to do is to um, look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. I'm not going to take time to, to look at all these, but there are a couple of them that I want to uh, call some special attention to. But for example, remember last week we talked about the, the fact that in the curse that God allowed thorns to come. Can you imagine doing gardening in the Garden of Eden? Would have been a pleasure, wouldn't it? No weeding, no thorns. But thorns came. And and then we saw at the crucifixion, well, Jesus wore thorns. And then um, uh, verse 18 of Genesis 3, it talked about how that Adam uh, would eat bitter herbs from the field and, and Christ would have uh, gall to drink on the cross. Uh, they would, the work would be hard. In the Garden of Eden, it, it wasn't really a labor. It was, it was fun to, to be in the Garden of Eden. And, and now it became work. And, and we're suffering the result of that, you know, how many of you go to work and say, man, I really enjoy my job? 
Yeah, you better raise your hand. Yeah, Jeremy, uh, notice it's all teachers raising their hand. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, but you know what? Work is a labor, isn't it? And uh, there would be sweat, and, and the Lord Jesus has said that he sweats the word uh, drops of blood. And then the idea that he said you'll have to plow the ground, you'll have to till the ground, and, and how they made the, the furrows on the back of Jesus. And so each one of these things, Adam and Eve, they were driven out of the garden. They had to go outside the garden. Jesus had to go outside of, of uh, Jerusalem to be crucified. And then the way was guarded by a sword or a spear, and, and a spear went into the side of Jesus. Verse 21, I want to talk about a little bit more. We mentioned it last week, but, but Adam and Eve discovered that they were naked. Uh, they, they were in an innocent state. By the way, Steve brought out a, a good comment to me last time. They went from innocence in the garden. And you know what? When Jesus does his work, it always brings you higher than you were before. Every time God redeems, he always brings you higher. So that's why I believe that, that the earth was perfect. And when Satan fell, I think he messed it up. God says, I'll even make it better. He puts on it a creation. He puts on it man. And the devil said, then I'll make man fall. And he did. God says, you know what? Then I'm going to make it better. Jesus always trumps the devil. They went from innocence, innocence to righteousness. We're righteous. I mean, we're right with God. Listen. The devil should know better, but he doesn't. He always tries to ruin what God does, and Jesus Christ and God always bring it to a higher level. It's all the way through the Bible. I'll just mention that. You can study the pattern on your own. But Adam and Eve, they discovered that they were, they were naked. And so you know what God does? God says, okay, I'm going to clothe you. And it's interesting. As a matter of fact, I want to read the verse to you in Genesis chapter 3 because listen to what it says and uh, I, th I think it's just so fitting and, and so important. Genesis chapter 3. It says, For Adam Eve, for Adam also and for his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Now, what I think is interesting about that particular thing is that according to, to Psalm 22, here's what it says. It talks about the story of the cross. And it says this, that they would part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. And when we go to John chapter 19, the story of the crucifixion, it was at this particular time, remember, that, that Jesus has two garments. One of those garments, the Bible predicted, I believe, all the way back in the book of Psalms, two, two references in Psalms to it. And one piece of clothing they would take and they would, they would divide it among the four of them. It must have been a garment that if you were to divide it among four pieces, it wouldn't ruin the material. But then there was another coat. And if you were to divide that into four pieces, it would have ruined it. So they said, we can't divide it. And so the Bible says that one they would divide into four pieces and one they would cast lots for to see who the lucky person would be. And I can just imagine this, this lucky soldier who wins the coat of Jesus. What is he going to do with it while he finishes the work of crucifixion? This is just my imagination. I think he put it on. He said, if I lay it down here on the rock, some other soldier is going to steal my winnings. So I, put it, I think he finished the work of crucifixion wearing the coat of Jesus. You know why I like that? Because you see, 
Here's what the Bible says. He said, they fulfilled the scripture that day. Do you think those soldiers went out there and said, today I think we'll fulfill scripture. We'll, we'll gamble for his garment and we'll divide it into four. No, they went out there and what they did, God knew would take place. And then what I like about it is it's a picture of what we find in a parable that we've looked at another time. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 13. And it's about a marriage. The king's son has a marriage. In order to go to the wedding, you're invited and some refuse to go. But if you go to the wedding, you know what? The bridegroom always provides a coat for all that go. For the bride, there, there's an array. Revelation talks about the, the, the lamb's wife will come and she'll be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. How do we get righteous? Through Jesus, don't we? And then... It goes on to say, he's clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. But in this particular story, in Matthew chapter 23, because someone tries to sneak in to the wedding and not go the proper way and not be dressed, he says, bind him and throw him into outer darkness. Yeah. The penalty for being a false professor is hell. Don't, don't, don't say, I, I'm saved. And not really mean that you've ever come to Jesus and said, I'm a sinner. Come to Jesus and said, you're my substitute. Come to Jesus and say, I'll take you as my... If you do a false profession, God promises that he'll cast you away. And in this parable, they, they bind this man and they throw him into outer darkness. Away from the presence of God. Wow. So when we go back to our lesson there in Genesis chapter uh, 3, it says that God provided them. You see, up until this point, up until this sin, no death on planet Earth. But when sin came and Jesus, or, or God had to clothe Adam and Eve, you know what? He had to give them skins of an animal. And if you're going to get the skin of an animal, then you're going to have to take the life of the animal. Now, the Bible doesn't say what the animal is. But I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a lamb. That's just my imagination. Because what a picture that would be. Because you know what? God was going to give his lamb called Jesus on the cross to cover my sins later. To clothe me with these righteous garments. And then, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says this. That, that the devil is in the mix of all this thing. He, he's so aggravated. First of all, he's mad because he got kicked out of heaven. And he's going to rear his ugly head again in Revelation chapter 12. And we're not going to do that in this series, but, but I, I wish I could. That'd be a, a fun trail to follow. But you know what he does? Why, why is the devil mad? Well, keep this word in your mind. It's called dominion. Okay, power over. And he's so jealous about power. The devil wants worship. He wants power. Matter of fact, you go to Revelation chapter 12 and 13 where this occurs, and you'll find six times it says power. The Antichrist wants power. He wants power. He wants power. He wants. You see, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are going to work together. Just as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work together. And, and they're jealous. This false trinity is jealous of the, of the real trinity. 
And so that's why they're doing this devilish work. And you know what? Jesus died to save all mankind if they would come to him. And the devil's doing everything he can to keep anyone from coming to Christ. So, Satan, by his crafty trick, trying to get dominion, you know what he does? He opens the way for salvation. The devil's smart. The devil's smarter than anyone in this room. The devil's powerful, more powerful than anyone in this room. But he's not as smart as Jesus Christ, and he's not overpowering because Jesus Christ is, is stronger than the devil. Amen. If you try to face him without the Lord, you're in a lot of trouble. I've already told you that I think this is a very important study, and now you see why. You see, one of my, my big burdens is for people that think they're a Christian and they're not. And we looked at the, the person that invaded the wedding, the wedding party, and he wasn't dressed properly. Why? I think he was dressed in nice clothes, but it wasn't wedding clothes. And you see, there's people that I know, good people, moral people, people that, that sometimes we, we would say they're, they're cream of the crop. But the trouble is they're reliant on their own good works. And no matter how good you are, you're not good enough to merit salvation. You have to have a garment provided by Christ. And we've seen in this study how that, that God provided clothes for Adam and Eve. Can you imagine a, a holy God, a living God? After sin came, he was willing to, to take the skins of an animal. And you might say, wow, that, that was a big sacrifice. Until that time, no death. But remember, sin brought death. And, and so that's the reason those animals had to die. And that's how those clothes were provided for Adam and Eve. But here's something better. You see, Jesus, <laughs> he had to give his life. Because you see, when he gave his life, when he, when he canceled the curse, when he redeemed us from the curse, well, it was his cloak that not only was put on a, a Roman soldier, but it was put on you and me. We're now ready for the righteousness that God imparts to us. I come today because maybe there's someone and you've been religious all your life, you've been a good person all your life, but have you ever received Christ? Because you know what? If all you are is a false professor, you're going to be cast into outer darkness. You could enjoy the, the glory and the light of God versus the, the struggle and the darkness of Satan. How do you do it? Well, instead of being a, a false professor, be a true believer. And that comes when you admit that you're a sinner. You see, the only way to get that cloak is not by our goodness. Our, our, the Bible says our, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. The best thing we can do is a filthy rag. It's a soiled rag. So we admit that we're a sinner. We admit that we're short of God's standard. And then we acknowledge that when Jesus died on the cross, wow, he died for my sins, for your sins. And he provided the wedding garment for us. And then to accept him, personally accept what Christ has done on the cross. I hope you'll do it today if you've never done it before. And if you have done it, then let's share the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, says, For Jesus must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. He will have dominion. And he says, The last enemy shall be destroyed is death. And Jesus destroyed death on the cross so that I could have life, so you could have life. I hope if you never receive Christ, today you will. If you know him, I hope you'll live for him. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the study. Thank you for how consistent the Word of God is to show us the plan of God. Father, I thank you for the light of the glorious power and gospel of God. 
and how it will defeat darkness, the darkness of Satan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.